Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The way things are shaping up, this will not be an easy year for those in the Texas High Plains cattle business to achieve profitability. I'm James Hunt, and I'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Truth in labeling of food products legislation moving through the state legislature. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. As the saying goes, April showers bring May flowers. Weed control is an important part of overall forage management. We will talk about important factors in weed control. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas dairies are producing more milk here in 2021. Jessica Domel explains. Texas dairies have been producing more milk over the past few months. According to the National Agricultural Statistics Service, 3.8 billion pounds of milk were produced in Texas from January through March. That's up 1% from the previous quarter and is 4% higher than the same time last year. The average number of milk cows in Texas is 616,000 head. That's up 29,000 head from the same quarter of 2020. Texas is fourth in the nation in terms of dairy production. According to the Texas Association of Dairymen, the dairy industry in Texas created more than 213,000 jobs with $11.2 billion in wages in 2019. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. As the 2021 cotton crop goes in the ground, Texas farmers can look forward to another year of having dicamba available. BASF Technical Services Representative Adam Hickson says his company's Ingenia herbicide has a new five-year registration, but it did come with some changes. Yeah, we got a registration in the fall of 2020, so that was really nice to get that registration. And surprisingly, it was a five-year registration. In the past, it's been uh, two years, and then we've had to get re-registration, but this time uh, the EPA granted us a five-year registration for engineer herbicides. Now that does come with a few changes. One of the major changes is you now are required to use a pH buffering agent uh, for all applications with Ingenia. So BASF does offer Centris buffering technology, but There are others out there on the market that are approved for use uh, uh, with Ingenia. Um, Some other things is that they've removed growth stage application limits or um, days after planting. Instead, uh, we are now using cutoff dates. So these new cutoff dates are June 30th for soybeans, uh, July 30th for, for cotton. 
Hickson says Ingenia can now only be used on dicamba-tolerant crops. He says the new label is now much simpler and more concise. The other major thing is we have removed all the convention, what we are calling the conventional uses. So any of those uses uh, that were on the older labels uh, for Ingenia outside of the dicamba-tolerant crops have been removed. So now these labels are much simpler, uh, more concise, and uh, you can use Ingenia on your dicamba-tolerant crops. So those are soybeans and, and cotton only. Adam Hickson, Technical Services Representative for BASF. There may not be much profit to be made in the cattle business this year. James Hunt takes a look from Amarillo. In our previous report, Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez was pretty optimistic about the prospects for area farmers to make money from their 2021 crops. Unfortunately, his outlook on the livestock side is not as cheerful. I think we're going to have a harder time achieving profitability in feed yards this year than we had last year. Unless there was some really creative hedging or really creative management, it's just going to be harder overall this year. And Dr. Benavidez says feed yard operators' challenges go beyond the high price of corn. On top of that, the cattle herd is shrinking. And so we're on that downtrend of inventory and a normal cattle cycle pattern. And so what we expect is that the price of purchasing calves or purchasing replacements or whatever the case may be at each stage should incrementally increase this year over last year next year over this year, and so on and so forth. So not an easy path for the feed yards, but if herd reduction means higher feeder cattle prices, ranchers are in a good position, right? Well, Dr. Benavides says they're also hit with higher feed costs, both for hay and the supplemental feed grains made even more essential by our drought. Calf prices are forecast up. We're expecting an increase in calf prices, particularly by the fall, but prices for inputs, again, are increasing and pressuring any sort of gains ranchers are expecting on those calf prices. With all they're up against, Dr. Benavidez urges livestock producers to do more with risk management. But on the good news side, Dr. Benavidez foresees strong demand for beef as the economy reopens. Not only are we going to see more people, I think, spending time outside and with friends and family and cooking together, I think we're going to see increased demand for those high-value cuts. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The state legislature is considering legislation to clarify labeling of fake meat. Tom Nicoletti has more. We go to Austin today for a legislative report from Joy Davis. She is a Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director. And Joy, there are a couple of bills, one in the House, one in the Senate, addressing this issue. House Bill 316 by Brad Buckley of Salado. This is the Texas Meat and Imitation Food Act, uh, which states that food that is falsely or misleadingly advertised or labeled as containing or imitating meat is considered misbranded. Why is this uh, legislation important to uh, agriculture? Well, Tom, lately we've seen the rise in grocery stores of plant-based or even technology is bringing us into cell-cultured meat products. And so to kind of get ahead of the game, we want to go ahead and put in law that products that don't contain meat can't say that they're meat. And this legislation, HB 316, is uh, saying that, uh, that you know, food that is in violation or suspected violation must bear a tag labeling it adulterated or misbranded until the violation is corrected. 
Yes, we just want to make sure that consumers know exactly what they're getting when they buy a product off the shelf. There have been several consumer surveys out there, and a great percentage of consumers have actually bought a product that does not contain what they thought it does. They've bought something thinking that it was meat and got it home, and it, it actually was entirely plant-based. And we're not saying we're against those products. We're just saying that consumers need to know what they're buying when they go buy it. Senate Bill 1145 by Senator Charles Perry of Lubbock is similar legislation uh, over in the Senate. What can you tell us about that? Senator Perry moved uh, Senate Bill 1145 out of the Senate this week. It is a very similar bill. What it does, it says that a foods label cannot contain brands, images, depictions, graphics, can't have anything like that on the label that is going to lead a consumer to think that that product contains beef chicken, pork, anything like that when it actually is solely plant-based or, again, comes from cell culture and doesn't come from an animal carcass. It also has to use the words imitation or meatless, meat-free, plant-based, egg-free, anything like that in order to uh, make sure that it's clear what is contained in the product. And where are these uh, two bills, uh, the Senate bill and the House bill at this point? Senate Bill 1145 has passed through the Senate, so it is moving on over to the House. And uh, House Bill 316 has moved out of the Public Health Committee and is in House calendars and should be coming to the House floor. That again is Joy Davis. She is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Legislative Director joining us today from Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Weed control is an important part of overall forage management. Dr. Vanessa Olson explains from East Texas. There are several factors that are important when it comes to weed control. These include weed identification, sprayer calibration, timing of application, and following label directions. We cannot make the best management decisions if we don't even know what the plant is we are trying to eradicate. Identification will determine the timing of our herbicide application along with the herbicide we choose. There are a multitude of resources available to help with identification. County extension agents, extension specialists, websites, books, etc. Once we have identified the weed, we can determine if the plant is an annual, biennial, or a perennial. Growth pattern will influence our timing to maximize control as well as reduce future populations. Correct identification of the target plant helps ensure the selection of the most effective herbicide as well as most effective time of application. Sprayer calibration is a critical step for a pesticide applicator in making sure the correct amount of pesticide is applied to the target site. Calibration is the process by which the amount of pesticide being applied per unit of area is determined. It is important to calibrate your pesticide equipment on a regular basis to ensure that output from each nozzle is consistent and the desired application rate is achieved. Strict adherence to label directions is required by law. Paying close attention to label directions will also ensure safe, effective, and economical use. Herbicide labels contain directions for proper rate and timing of application, a list of susceptible species, and information regarding cleanup and disposal following use. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag Today. Eastern turkey hunting season is now open. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And EPM is a neurological disease in horses that can cause long-term consequences. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. 
I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a neurological disease in horses called EPM, and it can have long-term consequences. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains. EPM is another neurological disease of horses that can continue to cause symptoms even after treatment. EPM stands for equine protozoal myeloencephalitis. And unlike West Nile and Eastern encephalitis, EPM is caused by a parasite and not a virus. The parasite is shed in the feces of an opossum, and the parasite is ingested by the horse in contaminated food or water. The parasite travels to the horse's brain and spinal cord and causes inflammation. And yet disease does not occur in all horses that are exposed. We do not know why some horses become infected and others do not get infected. But it is believed that horses that are immunosuppressed are more likely to develop the disease. EPM is one of the most difficult diseases to diagnose because testing is far from diagnostic and clinical signs are extremely variable from mild lameness and muscle atrophy to difficulty breathing and swallowing due to throat paralysis and a head tilt with facial paralysis. Dr. Nicola Posteria from UC Davis indicates in the horse publication that there is a link between the severity of the disease's effect on the tissue and the long-term clinical signs that remain after treatment. It is believed that treatment is a success if the horse is one neurological grade improved after treatment. There are several treatments for EPM and none of them are 100%, with all three FDA-approved drugs suggesting that treatment response is about 70%. There are also some unapproved treatments and response with these drugs has not been documented in literature. Regardless, it is typical for affected horses to have long-term consequences even after successful treatment. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Eastern turkey hunting season is now open in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Eastern turkey season is now officially open. Jason Harden, wild turkey program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there are good prospects for turkey hunters this spring. He says some hunters will need to report it when they harvest one. Those 13 counties in East Texas with an open turkey season, April 22 to uh, May 14, you have 24 hours to report your bird. You can do that on the Texas Parks and Wildlife website. You go to the, the turkey page or you can download the My Hunt Harvest app and you'll get a confirmation number, which helps validate that you have reported your bird. And if a game warden checks you, you can say, well, here's my confirmation number and you're good to go. Additional counties will have to report their harvests next year due to recent action by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. Harden says those reports gathered online and through the My Texas Hunt Harvest app are used to keep track of Texas turkey numbers. Wild turkeys, a lot of game species, are very difficult to accurately count. And harvest is one way that we can get an estimate on our populations. So as harvest declines, we assume populations are declining. And we have to make some assumptions there because hunter numbers could also go down. But that is one way that we utilize to track our populations by county. And with limited harvest in East Texas and those 10 counties uh, from Lee down to Matagorda, we just don't have the data to rely on through our small game harvest survey. We just have too many years of no data. So by 
requiring mandatory reporting, we can get really precise numbers on what's being harvested in that area and use that from year to year to track what's going on with that population. This year's rules and regulations for spring turkey hunting season are available on OutdoorAnnual.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle market on Friday, but the cotton market wrapped up the week with a bang. We'll take a look back at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As planting season begins across the country, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to follow the basic steps for seed treatment stewardship. Follow directions on seed container labeling. Eliminate weeds in the field prior to planting. Minimize dust by using advanced seed flow lubricants. Be aware of honeybees and hives located near the field. Ensure that any spilled seeds are removed or covered by soil to protect wildlife and the environment. And remove all treated seed left in equipment. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed close in the cattle market on Friday. Live cattle were mixed with the nearby's lower deferreds higher. The feeder cattle market finishing mostly to the upside. April live cattle down 47, 117.85. June down 12 at 115.72. August live cattle up 12 cents, 116.85. April feeder cattle up a dollar sixty, one thirty three eighty five. May feeders up sixty five cents, one thirty seven sixty seven. August feeder cattle up a dollar fifty two at one forty nine ninety. Cash fed cattle market very quiet over the past week. Friday was no exception. Uh, just very little trade to even talk about. Here in Texas, Texas Cattle Feeders Association reporting only 1,500 heads sold on the cash market over the past week. Those cattle brought 120. Boxed beef prices were mixed on Friday. Choice up a dollar one, 283.32. Select down a dollar 28, 272.41. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear those cattle beller, it's time to head to the Colach capital of the world. Everybody knows that's a uh, Caldwell, Texas, and talk to Carl Herman from Caldwell Livestock. Carl, how'd the Wednesday sale go? You know, uh, Larry, we had a really good sale yesterday. Uh, had a little special in front of it. Uh, cattle were well received. Uh, had a lot of people on hand to buy them. Uh, we had uh, right out 900 head for 131 consigners, 63 buyers uh, on a steady cow market, a little lower calf market yesterday. Uh, we had uh, about 250 cows and bulls, slaughter cows 35 to 68, slaughter bulls 60 to 96. Stockard cows seven and a quarter to twelve hundred, and the pairs eight and a quarter to sixteen seventy five. Uh, on the calves, on the steers, two to three weight steers, one sixty to one seventy five. Three to four weights, one fifty one to one eighty seven. Four to five weight steers brought one forty to one sixty five. Five to six weight steers, one thirty two to one forty three. Six to seven weights, one twenty three to one thirty four. Seven to eight weight steers, one oh seven to one twenty five. On the heifer side, two to three weights, one thirty five to one seventy. Three to four weight heifers, 135 to 167. The four to five weight heifers brought 134 to 205. Five to six weights, 120 to 138. Six to seven weight heifers, a dollar to dollar 33. And the seven to eight weights, 95 to 135. Overall, had a good day, and, and uh, we look forward to next week. 
Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you if they need to bring some cattle or want to buy some. Yes, sir. Uh, my number is uh, 979-820-5349. Call a barn, 567-4119. Or for the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. Appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Texas Farming and Ranching Neighbors, thanks so much for listening to me. I'm Larry Marble. I'm the host of Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took another jump on Friday. May hogs up $1.90, 109.35. June up 217 at 105.72. Class 3 milk was mixed. April milk down a penny, 17.64. May milk up 21 cents, 18.89, 100 weight. The cotton market really took off to the upside on Friday. We saw a very bullish grain market over the past week, especially on Wednesday and Thursday. And that has traders wondering how much of the Delta and Mid-South cotton acreage may be switched over now to corn and soybeans. They're also watching the drought situation here in Texas, wondering how much that is going to cut into our cotton acreage this year. That all helped to boost prices sharply higher on Friday. May cotton up 287 points, 87.51. July cotton up 27, 88.80. The December contract up 118 points, closing the week at 84.93 cents. Kansas City wheat added to the gains that we've seen over the past week. We had a big run-up in prices because of the freezing temperatures we saw throughout Kansas, Oklahoma, and here in North Texas in the Texas Panhandle. Traders wondering what effect that's going to have on the crop. We probably won't know for several more days. July Kansas City wheat up five and three quarters Friday, ending at 680 and a half. July Chicago wheat up one and three quarters, 712 and a quarter. Those are the highest wheat prices we've seen in seven years. Same story in the corn market. That May contract at the highest level we've seen in seven years. It was up another five cents on Friday to close at six fifty-five and a half. September corn, however, down one and a half, five seventy-five and three quarters. December corn down two and a half, five fifty and three quarters. In the energy markets, May natural gas down two cents at two seventy-two. June crude oil up seventy-nine to finish at sixty-two twenty-two a barrel. The financial market's higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 318 at 34,134. The NASDAQ up 239, 14,057. The S&P 500 up 56 points, 4,191. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.